0: Hi friends, welcome to Supernatural Saturday. It is Saturday, January 1st, and I'm your host, Praying Medic. If you've had uh, problems keeping your New Year's resolutions in the past, if you've tried to quit smoking, lose weight, give up drinking, uh, and other addictive behaviors, and you haven't had success doing that. There is a reason why you haven't been successful. The power of our own soul is only so powerful. What we need is the power of God. And in today's message, I'm going to discuss the ministry of deliverance with our friend Brian Fenimore from Plumline Ministries. And now here's today's message. Hey, Brian, uh, it is good to have you back uh, for another round of Supernatural Saturday. And Brian and I are going to discuss the Ministry of Deliverance. And we're going to be talking about this subject because we're getting, I'm getting a lot of comments on social media, on, on my Telegram channel of people who have, are struggling with addiction, addictions to pornography, uh, cigarettes, alcohol, you know, prescription medications. And um, the issue of addiction is tightly connected to uh the ministry of deliverance so without further ado brian why don't you say hi to the audience hey it's good to be with you guys again dave's awesome to be with you also yeah we've been getting a lot of really good feedback on our last broadcast the three-hour marathon uh (laughs) a lot of people getting healed a lot of people getting set free um it was a really good session Uh, for teaching. I I love your teaching approach. Um, You're you're very methodical. And uh, that message has already helped um, a lot of people getting a lot of good feedback. So today, um, I wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk about the Ministry of Deliverance. Um, It's, you know, it's it's a subject that is a little touchy um, for a lot of people, uh, Christians and non-Christians alike. There's a lot of misconceptions about deliverance being taught today. I learned a lot of um, wrong ideas about deliverance <laughs> when I first became a believer. I was just hoping that uh, you could kind of walk us through today a biblical model of deliverance, give us uh, some overview of the scriptures, what, the, what they say about, you know, uh, demonization. Uh, and uh, maybe I'll just jump in and ask a few questions now and then.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, um, it's so let's go ahead and get started on this. So when we talk about deliverance, we have to put it in a context of how the Bible views the world. And so there's a worldview that comes to us out of Scripture. And what we want to do is we want to say, well, based on this worldview, which is actually reality, how does God describe the universe? And so God describes the universe as... Here we are created in the image of God. We have both a flesh and a soul and a spirit. And in the soulish and spirit realm, what happens is, is the Bible describes that there's a enemy of God, Satan, and he has fallen angels that have joined his side. And they're described as demons And basically, anything that's made in the image of God or anything that represents the the Lord, they are against that. And so, i.e., they're in conflict with the Lord and people made in his image, which means you and I. And so when we start the idea of talking about deliverance, I mean, that's a lot of stuff that I just said. It takes a while to unpack it, but we have to have a worldview that kind of gives us a reality to this stuff of what is deliverance. Also, um, you find out that uh, throughout the Old Testament, as this idea is being brought up, you have it alluding to an enemy of God, which is Satan. And then you don't really have a lot of talk about demons or demonization in the Old Testament. But boy, when you hit the New Testament, it's like Jesus just pulls the the veil away and says, here's what reality is.
0: This this is something I was talking about on Telegram uh, yesterday. And it's the fact that if you look You Read the books of Moses. Moses never once talks about demons or Satan. Right. Uh, And then, like you said, you know, there are certain uh, uh, chapters in the Bible, certain books. Book of Job actually is one of the few Old Testament books that talks about Satan. But then, like you said, when Jesus comes on the scene, he just starts, you know, talking about demons and Satan and the kingdom of darkness. And I'm sure the Old Testament (laughs) readers are like, where did this come from? (laughs) Uh, And and I think it's important to view the Old Testament scriptures through the lens of uh, the revelation of the New Testament, particularly the Gospels where Jesus talks about uh, demons. So Uh, go ahead.
1: Yeah. And um, what's interesting, um, you do not have this in the Old Testament. You have it written about in the New Testament, but you do see like um, in the book of Acts that the jewish culture had actually been aware of the fact that there were demons because they were trying to drive out demons however they were doing it and so
0: and jesus taught he was challenging the scribes and pharisees who said he casts out demons by the power of Beelzebub, and he said okay well if i cast out demons by the power of satan under whose authority do your sons cast them out yeah that's right Right. So, so so they knew about demons and they were doing some deliverance
1: yeah, and that that brings up the idea of um, when other nations were worshiping false gods, there must have been some kind of manifestation that people were aware of, and the Jewish people would have had to recognize, well, this isn't the way Yahweh is described, and so what is this we're dealing with? So even though it's not talked about and there's not like a developed theology on demonization or demons Uh, You do have Satan being talked about, and you do have that idea going forward that there is a personification of evil that is against God. But when Jesus shows up, you have this, uh, what I would call a higher revealing of what really is true going on, and Jesus is modeling that to everybody. So this is really what's going on. And so with that worldview, and the reason why I'm using the word worldview is because When you start coming into these topics, everybody has a worldview. They've just never thought about it or analyzed it. And when you come into the community of believers, even believers have worldviews that the scripture is now trying to address and say, well, this is actually reality. And a lot of people say, well, I don't understand it, or we don't talk about that, or we have psychology and they probably needed medication back then. But you have to remember, we're talking about a higher issue here. What is truth and what worldview comports to reality? And it's the biblical worldview. And so the Bible is trying to basically tell you you have Satan, and he is trying to set up a kingdom where he has principalities, powers, darkness, demons working to um harass people give them disease cause problems with sin all that kind of stuff is going on and people just have to be aware of that that's actually what's going on because when we start moving towards the idea of deliverance if your worldview doesn't allow the fact for um demonic spirits or what we would say if i broke it down in very simple terms beings without bodies that can give information to your mind and those kind of things, and you think everything is your thoughts, you're going to have this fight, which you're going to think is with yourself. And you're going to constantly go back to why do I think this way? And you have to learn to, be, to discern where does that thought come from? Why do I have these Desires that are pulling me towards stuff that I really don't want to be involved in. And if you don't make an allowance for that worldview, you're just going to be trying to do it by the power of your own self-will, which never helps anybody in a situation. So our goal is to start working through what is that? Now, Dave, you can help me here for what we're doing with your audience would it be wise to just kind of go over spiritual warfare first a little bit and yeah
0: yeah i think uh people would would benefit from a little background on general spiritual warfare
1: okay so the the bible would give us the idea that satan and his uh, groups that he works with his demons actually are they have come together and they're orchestrated to do evil And um, the last several years specifically in the stuff that I've been doing, I just assumed, and I don't know if you're like this, but I just assumed, well, yeah, there's spiritual warfare and I get pushed back when I'm trying to do things for the Lord. And I just made this assumption that everybody knew that everyone kind of already had an idea about that. But as I started wading in with the body of Christ and just people in general, I started realizing that. Uh, people say, well, Christians talk too much about this. And I find out that actually Christians really don't ever talk about this. I I can't remember a sermon I've ever heard on demon, demonization or deliverance.
0: One of the things that that a lot of people are talking about uh, on my Telegram channel specifically, because they're reading all these testimonies of people getting healed and set free of demons, and they're starting to do this stuff. I mean, they're praying right. for themselves, they're praying for their families, they're seeing some breakthrough and they're coming under attack, Yeah, yeah. right? And, and so I'm, I'm kind of letting people know, look, when you start to push back against the kingdom of darkness, when you start trying to get people healed, when you start working in deliverance, that kingdom is going to see you as an enemy and those attacks are going to come, which is why spiritual warfare uh, is a very important subject to know about.
1: That's right. And so um, for some odd reason, before you and I even talked about doing this, I had been writing a study note. I, I wrote a study note a long time ago on advancing the kingdom. And when I got into this section on evangelism, I had to start working through spiritual warfare because that's what you're dealing with. And now I'm having to take that section out and do a whole new section on just deliverance and spiritual warfare because it's, all I'm running into anymore is this issue in people's lives. Um, people have me teach on healing, but I think that if you look at the idea of the gospel, what does it mean to advance the kingdom? It means to preach the gospel, heal sick, drive out demons, cleanse people of leprosy or incurable diseases, and raise from the dead. That's considered a packaged thing. You don't do one or the other. You do all of it. That's just what you're going to run into. You need to preach and heal and deliver and do all that stuff. And so I'm having to revisit this again and develop all this stuff because I'm finding out only not only for the group that I'm working with, but the greater body of Christ, people just always have to have this revisited because they forget it or they don't understand it. Or we have new people coming in. And they're just like, I don't know where any of this is going. So the part that I want to look with you at is in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 specifically. And it talks about the idea that um, what is our war? What are we actually dealing with? So I'm actually going to turn there right now real quick. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for anybody that's looking at their scripture when they see this later. Paul is going to describe What our battle is, but really interesting enough in Ephesians chapter six, as he gets down to this verse ten, the word the words that he used it says finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. And so I just I just want to stop right there and talk about this. The word finally means everything that I just got done writing to you in the epistles that was good information. But this, if you're going to pay attention to anything, this is what you need to be looking at. It's actually interesting that that's what it says. Next thing it says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And so this is actually saying that all warfare and deliverance is learning to live with the strength of God on you to deal with evil. So whether we're talking about dealing with the enemy outwardly harassing us or something going on with an addiction or a hurt or a pain, and the enemy is energizing that. It says that we have to have the strength and God's ability on us to actually deal with it. And what's really interesting about this, it says, put, uh, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. That section right there, strength of his might, is interesting. It's using the idea that the first armor that you put on is not the helmet or the breastplate. It's the power of God. And when you call for the power of God to come over you, It's kind of way the the original language is used, you're pulling from the power of God, the armor of God, and it comes over you. And so as the power of God comes on you, it girds you up and, and develops your breastplate and gives you a helmet. And now you have faith and you now have a sword. It all comes literally from the strength of God's mighty power. And so a lot of people believe that you put the armor of God on, the scripture here is actually telling you, no, put on the power of God, and what comes out of that is the armor of God.
0: And what, I would, what I've been teaching uh, people on Telegram for the last uh, week or so, since we did our broadcast, is um, learning to sense God's presence, his manifest presence, his glory, learning to Ask God to bring His presence. I've been doing this with Denise. Uh, Denise has been; she's had an insomnia for a couple of years, and I've been I've been asking the Lord to bring His presence upon Denise every night um, and give her sleep. And she has been sleeping uh, wonderfully since I started doing that. Wow, but, that's great! Right. So yeah. when you talk about the power of God and and us calling on the power of God. Uh, so wrapping ourselves in the power of God, God's presence. I I think that's what you're talking about. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is. And so when most people get teaching on the armor of God, they believe, well, I have to put on. But the scripture starts with, no, you put on the power of God. And what comes from this is this armor. This is how you fight
0: the enemy. Isn't it the fruit of putting on the power of God?
1: Yes, it is. It is. And so I'm making that distinction because I still hear people teach, well, I'm going to go get the shield of faith and use it and stuff. And they're not getting the idea that the power of God needs to be on them first before they can move in any of this stuff. Well,
0: well, when we talk about healing, I I remember you saying that, you know, the faith that we operate in healing isn't our faith. (laughs) It's faith that God gives us. That's right. God quickens us he he gives us a a boost of faith the gift of faith right and so uh in, in this in the spiritual warfare realm I guess it's the same thing
1: it is that's um, what, so the whole the It's kind of amazing. Um, You and I, you and I walk with the Lord and you, I've said this when we did last time, we do everything wrong before we learn to do anything right. And so (laughs) what's fascinating about all this is this is the presence of God and the power of God or the glory of God, whatever term people use, depending on whatever passage they're reading. The Bible says, this is what you need to develop relationship out of warfare, out of community out of. All of that comes from the presence of the Lord, not just principles. And so here we are talking about uh, spiritual warfare and deliverance. We still need the power and the presence of God for this in our lives. And, And you really don't want to take on spiritual beings without God's power. You need his power to win the battle, not technique per se, even though God teaches well, you need to keep this in mind when you're dealing with all this stuff. So, uh, we're still in Ephesians. I'm not going to go over all the armor. We can maybe talk about that later as we talk about deliverance, but I want to go to verse 12 to where the focus is our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers. And it's interesting. I know that you've seen it. It says against uh, rulers, against powers against world forces of this darkness and against spiritual for- forces of wickedness in heavenly places it uses the word against four times. And it's interesting in the original Greek language, you would have only needed to use it once. So Paul is actually emphasizing the word against. And this word for against actually means close combat, intentionality, fighting. And what I wanna do is I wanna just uh, start here when it says our struggle is not uh, with flesh and blood, the word struggle here doesn't mean just something that's, uh, well, we resist them and they push back and stuff like this. This is the Greek term for an intense warfare. It, it actually is used um, back in the culture for this arena they used to have that was called the Arena of Warfare. It was a building they had where gladiators got together to try to kill each other. It was actually interesting. Uh, they only had three sports back then, and this, this, uh, place that they fought and this is what paul was using it was boxing wrestling and then this uh, sport that the two groups out of that would come out of and try to kill each other and the goal and the house of war was to bring the other person into submission and so paul is now using that roman illustration for the people of god the enemy is trying to come to you to bring you into submission to him lording over you with evil in some form. So it could be temptation, it could be perversion, it can be uh, addictions, whatever it is, he wants to rule over you and he actually does it through these different things. And it's saying, I don't know where you're at with this, Dave, but a lot of people believe that if they ignore this stuff and they just focus on the Lord, they'll never come against it. The way the word against is being used is it's the idea you're bumping into it whether you want to or not. So you're going to engage principalities. You are going to engage powers. You're going to engage world forces of darkness. You're going to engage it whether you want it. And so you have to prepare yourself for it. And when we start talking about deliverance, if we work through, well, here's how you and I get delivered but we don't understand any aspect of spiritual warfare, we'll get delivered and then it'll come back around again. And then everyone will go, well, why is this bugging me again? Because start going after that and you deal with that. You have to learn to stand in the power of God to deal with it from that point on. And it's the idea that God wants victory for you. So God yeah, wants victory.
0: That's that's the problem that a lot of people um, are wrestling with right now uh, in my telegram channel in particularly as people are starting to pray for themselves and pray for others to be healed, they're seeing the symptoms go and then come back. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a clear uh, indicator that you're dealing with something that's demonic. Yeah, that's right. And that's, that's the right. issue where you need to learn how to stand against uh, these powers.
1: That's right. And so now for, uh, we talked about that part in Ephesians, and now what I wanna do is I wanna say I want to just develop the Greek word just for a moment of the word devil so that people can have an understanding. So this is the term that we have given to Satan, devil, but the Greek word for devil is really interesting. It doesn't just mean um, an accuser. The, the way the Greek word is used is it means a constant accuser. And so the nature of the devil me, means that he constantly accuses you and it's the idea of trying to penetrate your thought to the point where you get worn down that he can get access and then the minute he gets access he begins to do a thing the scripture calls oppressing and that's a spiritual force to actually bring uh, the word oppression means it's a word for dictator or tyrant the enemy wants to wear you down to where you finally give up, and then he wants to become a tyrant in that area of somebody's life to oppress them and make them a slave to wherever he's gotten an access point in their life.
0: Isn't it interesting that we vehemently oppose political tyrants and oppressors, mm-hmm. and yet we submit ourselves to them in, our, in the spiritual sense every day?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I and I don't know if that's because of ignorance. That's why when we talk about this, I said, "Well, what worldview is everybody coming out of when we look at this stuff?" I don't know if that's ignorance. I don't know if it's everyone's just has this idea. Well, I just want to be a lover of God, so I don't want to spend time worrying about this stuff. But the Bible is trying to tell you if you're going to be a lover of God, you're going to bump into this, and so Paul wants you to be prepared, just to get ready for it. It
0: well, uh, let me let me make an observation, and and this. I don't know how broadly this applies, but I'll tell you this. Um, I started to suffer severe attacks from the enemy and attacks of you know, back pain and, and every other kind of affliction. Right after I started uh, getting interested in healing and deliverance in 2008. And I've been under pretty regular attack ever since then.
1: That's
0: right. Um, in, in various ways, attacks on finances, attacks on me on social media from people that are sent in to uh, slander me, all different kinds of tactics that the enemy uses. But what I've noticed is there are some people who don't seem to be attacked as, as much as someone like you or me. But then there's the issue of, well, what are you really doing to That's disrupt nice. the, the kingdom of darkness? If you're not doing anything to fight the kingdom of darkness, if you're not operating in healing, not doing deliverance, you're really not doing what Jesus told his disciples to do. Why would the enemy uh, upset the apple cart uh, and, and put himself on your radar?
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, and the, we know, as it tells us even in the Bible, that when you're in the kingdom of darkness, you're basically his, he's already a tyrant over you. When you're delivered into the kingdom of his son, you've been put on the side of victory. And this is the thing, when we talk about this, when it comes to addiction or anything else, people have got to realize that if Christ lives in them, he's called victory to be in that area of their life, no matter how long the struggle is. But because you have victory, the Bible actually says that as we grow, it's our job to actually go and destroy the gates of the enemy. So so he's a strong man he has uh, power over people, and so a stronger man has to come and bind him, which is actually the Lord, and that's what he's called you and I to do. So anytime you see this, it's called a rhythm of Jesus's ministry. Jesus would go out and do ministry, and then something would come against him, and you see this rhythm going back and forth. It's, it, there is a one time where You know, that whole story where they're going to go cross the Sea of Galilee and he's sleeping and this storm comes up. Well, I was looking at the original language. It it wasn't just the word like a a hurricane or something like that. It carried the idea that the, the storm itself had a personality behind it. So it actually showing that it was a demonic spirit that caused that to happen. And Jesus just said, when he said, where is your faith? He wasn't just having that kind of conversation like you lack faith. He was having a conversation in, can't you recognize what we're dealing with? I said, we were going over here. The enemy can't resist me, so I'm going to deal with it. And so he
0: speaks to a storm. Right. He rebuked the storm in the way you would rebuke an an accuser who's bringing an accusation against you. He did the same thing with with the fever that Peter's mother-in-law had. He rebuked. The fever and it left well yep. he treated it like it had a personality because it yeah. probably did yeah and so
1: that's what you're going to begin and so now if you're let's say that you've never waited in this or considered this what we're going to have to do is you're going to have to now say i have to go learn this i'm going to keep from extremes but i want to know what the scripture says about this so that i can walk in victory and so the the goal here is what does god call us to in victory and so our question is, how do we get victory in some area of our life? We're defeated right now. So the, the first thing we want to do is we want to begin to just say, what, uh, it's kind of funny. You have to begin to take what's called an internal evaluation. What is, it, is a Bible standard that God has called me to live in, and where am I not able to live up to that? It, how how am I not able to get there? Is it the grace of God? Is it helping me or something resisting me? Now, I think a simple question, I don't know if you think this way, Dave, but I'm always trying to say, well, what's the simplest way to do this? The simplest question is, if I long to go here and I have something constantly pressing against me to keep me from going somewhere in God, and it's not a physical person, then I have to assume Why I can't always just say it's deficiency, especially since if I want to go there, what's that resistance? And so you have to start evaluating what's keeping me from growing in the Lord in this area that I feel defeated. And it's probably a a demonic spirit or a spiritual uh, demonic, spiritual being that's arrest. And so when that happens, we have to ask, where's most of the battle going on? And here's where I think is the most helpful. The reason I spent all that time trying to describe the, the Greek word for the word devil is most of the Bible says battle is in the mind. Even though when we say the mind, it affects your emotions, and I'll describe the pattern of that, we need to recognize that most of it's thoughts. Thoughts are coming to us to lead us into something or condemn us or accuse us or whatever it is so that it can get a way into your soul for you to give up, and so that's where the battle is, and most of the time people don't like that idea. I just want to deal with it once, and then I don't want to deal with it ever again, and the Bible is trying to help you. No, once you gain victory, this is going to be tested. Remember, it's it's the house of war. If you strike the enemy once, and he goes down or he flinches, he's going to rise back up and try to take a swing at you. So you have to prepare yourself for that. And so we're going to, Dave, which way do you want to go? Do you want to start with how the process works or how the scripture describes the process of getting delivered? What do you feel would be the best? What is
0: the Lord telling you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's, that works. All right. So let's just, uh, Let's just start the process. So how do you go through basic deliverance? So if we say we want to be delivered, we just went through the Ephesians passage, we now want to say, well, are there steps? And just like we were talking about uh, last time Dave and I were visiting, we talked about effective steps for ministry. Well, there are effective steps of deliverance. This works in every generation. So the first one is this. And it's almost kind of funny to say this to people. If you know Jesus, you've already done this at one level, you affirm his lordship in your life. But I want to be specific when I say this. In Romans chapter 12, it says to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. So these people already knew Jesus. That's what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 12. And now we're here. Uh, I'm sorry, throughout Romans, he says, Well, here's what it means to get saved. Now that you're saved, offer yourself. That means some area that I have weakness, I need to reaffirm the lordship of Jesus in that place. And most of the time, when people are struggling with an addiction or something they don't feel they get victory over, we have a tendency again to try to go in and deal with it ourselves instead of affirming Christ's lordship over that. And so, uh, when I had to break free from, I had some addictions, and even after I knew the Lord, when I had to break free from those, I had to affirm, I, I'm not Lord over this. I don't have the power over this. You are, so I turn this over to you. So it'd be like offering yourself afresh to the Lord in an area of weakness that you have in your life. And everyone's like, well, why do you need to do that? Well, you're establishing him as Lord over your mind your emotions, your will, an area of weakness, that's where victory comes from. It doesn't come from saying, I know Jesus, but I'm going to struggle with this. The victory is always with the Lord, and so he has to be given this again. And so there's this prayer I'm going to talk about with everybody. Uh, Dave might add something to it, um, and we didn't even talk about this, but there, when I first started having to work through this in my life and dealing with other people, There's this thing in the the Old Testament where it talks about Jehovah Shalom, and that, that word means wholeness. And so there are three words that are used for the word Shalom. It means to prosper, and this doesn't mean just outwardly, this means within your soul. So Shalom means to prosper so deeply, you're at peace. That's another word for the word Shalom, you're at peace. So you prosper so deeply in God, you're at peace which brings wholeness to you in your life. So you prosper so deeply in God, you're at peace that you prosper in life. That's the cycle God is trying to take people through. And so what I started doing is I realized if God wants wholeness, I need to invite the Holy Spirit to bring wholeness over my mind, over my emotions and over my will. And so I literally wait before the Lord and saying, bring your wholeness over me, Lord. Now, the reason I do that is because when Jesus says in Matthew 11, come unto me, all that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. That word rest right there is the Greek word for the word shalom in the Old Testament. And so the Bible is actually telling you, God says, I will actually give this to you if you ask this of me. And so, A lot of people kind of are waiting for God to just kind of drop them on it, but he's actually putting out his hands and he said, hey, come to me and I'll give this to you. I will actually give this to you. And interesting enough, when he says weary and heavy laden, weariness is a condition of the soul and heavy laden is oppression that men put on men. And so he's saying both areas that cause pain, weaknesses, problems, everything that's going on, Jesus says, if you'll come to me, and let my rest come upon you i will restore you past this you'll actually gain victory in this area so we're wanting to affirm the lord over weakness in our lives and the body of christ i don't dave you're going to have to tell me where you're at with this but we have a lot of people that are said to be pastors but we don't do a lot of good pastoral ministry so people need to be pastored when it comes to their soul So that their soul knows how to get nourished by the shepherd.
0: Yeah. And and I I guess what I would say, just kind of add add a couple of things. When you talk about the soul, of course, you're talking about the mind, will, and the emotions. And um, what you have to understand about that issue is uh, there are two kingdoms that are battling for dominion over your soul. Mm -hmm. All right. Jesus um, demonstrated the pattern that he wants us to follow, he submitted his will to the will of the father. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, The other option is, well, you've got the kingdom of darkness, which wants to dominate you (laughs) and your soul and the demons, ultimately they want to subvert your will. They want to subvert your will and they want to bring you into bondage to fear to addiction to sickness to you know having this wrong view of god how god views you Um, the enemy really wants to just destroy your life and they, they do that the demons do that by subverting your your will your mind your emotions your soul and what brian is teaching here is if you give jesus dominion over your soul your mind will and emotions he can then break this bondage and break the control that the enemy is trying to exert over you.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Thanks, Dave. That was good. I like that clarification. That was awesome. Uh, okay. And so I think at this point, um, I usually don't get a big thrill out of telling this, but it helps a lot of people. So I'm going to talk about an addiction I had at a certain point. So um, all, God has created man in his image. He's given him certain things that are called um, appetites. And most addictions that deal around the arena of appetites. And so these are not evil in and of themselves. It's the perversion of them that make them evil. And so you have an appetite to eat. You have an appetite to procreate. You have appetites. Those in and of themselves are show that you're made in the image of God. So they are not evil. It's the perversion of them. So um, when I was in my... um, early 20s, heading into my 30s, I had this severe addiction to uh, Mountain Dew. I mean, it was ridiculous. I I drank so much Mountain Dew. I I had like those two liter bottles. I could finish off two of those on a daily basis. I mean, I was just, (laughs) okay. Diet Coke. Yeah, and, and everyone uh, would point out to me, hey, do you think you might have a problem? And what I would do is I would look at their lives and say, well, you drink an awful lot of coffee, so why are you pointing out me having a problem drinking Mountain Dew? So we, this is a silly way to argue with people. I was pointing out their addictions and saying it justified my addictions instead of looking at it, and because I wanted to do it. I, I felt like I was gaining something from this stronghold, uh, whatever I thought it was. And so the desire to drink something is not wrong. The destructive pattern that I had with this was wrong. And so I'm doing it. I'm doing it. People are making fun of me now. Boy, and and I'm, you know, I know that I kept telling everybody this. I could quit anytime I want. Now, (laughs) I love that's a fun justification for stuff because you say that thinking you're in control. And then I would try to quit. And as I tried to quit, I would have these weird sweating bouts of cravings for this thing. I actually would have dreams (laughs) of me in the middle of the night, hugging a big bottle of Mountain Dew and and waking up going, wow, I, I have really got a problem. But I was in, because I was in denial of it and I didn't want to face it. I just kind of kept pushing that off, thinking it was funny and making jokes about it. And finally, um, We were celebrating one of my birthdays and my oldest daughter, she was a a young girl. She bought me, if you can imagine for my birthday, Mountain Dew. And so I was drinking a Mountain Dew in front of my kids on my birthday and I got done and I put it on the table and my daughter pointed at it and she was making a joke. And she said, "Um, we ought to bronze that can because when dad dies, we can actually put that on top of his tombstone and say, dad's God. (laughs) And when she said that, (laughs) Wow. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, that was what I needed. The arrow of the Holy Spirit hit my heart and I went, oh man. And, and it finally got through to me. I don't know why that had to do it, but all of a sudden I had to excuse myself from the room and I, my office is in my basement. So I went down into my basement and I'm like, wow, Lord, you're, really, you're on me. What is going on here? Why am I and finally, the Lord started having a conversation with me about being addicted. And, and I'm gonna what I'm going to do is hopefully deal with the demonization by piercing through and getting to the, the point of this. The things that we're addicted to, the reason why we are is we're trying to get something from them that only the Lord can give us, but we don't know how to find it in the Lord, so we go to that thing. And so the Lord started pointing out to me, you get some form of satisfaction from this. And what you've done is you've replaced that for me. And I want to turn that back around. And and what that did is that brought me into an encounter with the Lord where in a sense, he had to counsel me. I was, I could tell, I could tell I was being nurtured by the presence of the Lord. He wasn't condemning me. He was trying to convince me of truth to set me free. And so as he started explaining this addiction that I had, he said this, and then he started going back through my past. This stems all the way back to your relationship with your father. And once he did that, he showed me that pain has caused you to go all the way over here and develop this addiction. And once he showed it to me and he said, and this is why the enemy can deceive you. This is why you're caught in it. And so I had to go back here to this pain I had, repent, which I'm going to explain here in a minute turn to the Lord, humble myself, and then a cleansing, I could actually sense a cleansing come into my soul. And I literally left my office delivered from addiction for Mountain Dew. I I went into the kitchen after that, and I poured out the rest of the six packs, and I just said, that's it. I I have, there's nothing in me to go back to that. I'm free from it. Now, that was a long period of being addicted, playing games with it. I got delivered in a moment. And I know people say, well, should it be that way every way? It depends on what God is doing. Sometimes he does it in a moment. Sometimes he does it over a period because he's trying to build something up in your life. And so that's why he doesn't do an immediate. Uh, can
0: I jump in here real quick?
1: Yeah, yeah, go for it.
0: All right. Some of you who are, are listening to this broadcast, you're chuckling to yourself because... Uh, addiction to Mountain Dew in his case, Diet Coke in my my case. Like I was working as a paramedic and I would work 56, sometimes 72 hour shifts, three days back to back with no sleep. So, uh, and I didn't drink coffee at that time. I mainlined Diet Coke, like <laughs> IV infusing it because I needed the caffeine to keep myself going, to keep, keep myself awake, to keep going. And like Brian said, You know, I convinced myself that it was giving me some benefit, but I was it really was an addiction. Uh, uh, And I just want to add one more thing. So uh, when we when most people think of addictions, they think of, you know, narcotics, uh, pain, pain pills, drugs, alcohol, pornography, things of that nature. That's what most people perceive as, uh, you know, addictions that actually damage your lifestyle. But I'll I'll tell you. Uh, Many of you who are listening to this are addicted to news. Hmm. You you are addicted to, you have developed an emotional dependence on news, current events and information, and you cannot have any peace in your soul if you're not on Twitter or Telegram or Gab or YouTube uh, watching the latest person give you the information that you need to No, is, is is the world okay? Uh, Is, you know, is a deep state still going to take us all down? Are we all going to end up in cages? Uh, Many of you are addicted to information because you think that having all that right information is going to keep you in some sort of peace. That peace is a peace that God wants to give you and you're replacing it with information.
1: That's right. That's right. And again, Dave, good summation. I appreciate you doing that. When you So here we are. Now God's getting to the core of what's going on to us. So why do people get into bondage and need to be delivered? Something has replaced something that only God can give you. You've replaced it with something else, and it's got a hold of you. And when people say, well, this thing that I'm addicted to, I hate it, but you have to kind of work through this. You hate it, but you're getting something from it or you wouldn't keep going to it all the time. And so what has to happen is the power of that pleasure you think that you can only get from that has to be broken by the Lord. It it just has to be dealt with or you're not going to be free. Because if, if you're like me, I've watched people try to white knuckle trying to break free from something. And the grace of God is available to us to help us get over this. Okay, so the power of God is available to get you past any problem that you have. That is what God has made available to us to overcome. And so it's there, but we need to learn how to draw on it, live in it, and and progress past that. And so when we talk about an addiction in your life, we have to now begin to work through repentance. So what does the word repentance mean? Kind of funny if you look it up in the original language, it means to change your mind. But there are two forms of the word repentance. One means to let the light in. So what does that mean? That's where I talked about self-evaluation. You have to let the light of God's Word and His Spirit come into your soul and evaluate you. What is going on with you? Hmm. When the light shining,
0: comes- the light in the darkness.
1: Yeah. You, when <laughs> the light comes in. If you can begin to see this stuff according to God's word and his spirit, you've already gained a certain level of victory because everyone else who's addicted to something cannot see that and that and that's the first step of breaking free from it, something.
0: Essentially you're you're letting the great physician perform an examination on you so that he can give you his diagnosis.
1: That's right. That's right. And so as he you're letting the light in Now what's happening is you're getting what's called the counsel of the Lord. He's beginning to work through you. The word conviction uh, in the Greek New Testament is fascinating because the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So when it's a negative thing, it means the Holy Spirit goes and takes every piece of information that keeps you from uh, dealing with that, and he presents it to you so you cannot escape. But when the word conviction is used in the positive sense, it means God takes everything that is necessary to bring you up into a higher place. He works it into you so you get set free. So when God shows me a weakness, but most everybody feels condemnation and they want to run. But the safest place to be is the Lord letting the light come in because if he's convincing you of it, it means he's going to deliver you from it. And so, we have to teach the body of Christ it's okay to be broken in the sight of the Lord because he's the only one that can mend us. The enemy also tries to trick people into believing that anytime the light of God comes upon an area of weakness, they believe that God is condemning them when he is not. He is trying to deliver them. Condemnation is before you come to Christ. God has to show you, hey, In your sin state condition, you need a Savior. And so that's why you feel that, you sense that. But once you come into Christ, you're not being condemned anymore. You're now having him convince you of things to set you free. And so, uh, Dave, you tell me where you're at with this, but most people try to figure out a pattern so that they don't engage the Lord with this. But you want the Lord to help you with this. He loves you.
0: So I I, I went through a, a very... Uh, difficult divorce uh, almost 15 years ago. And uh, I had done a lot of things wrong in my first marriage. And during that time, the separation and the divorce, uh, the, the Holy Spirit was convicting me every day. And I didn't want to go near a church. I didn't want to read the Bible. I was just like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to, I, like, I know my life is screwed up, but I'm not ready to deal with it right now. And so it was interesting, like you're talking about, um, different people will have different reactions to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But what the Holy Spirit ultimately did, once I you know, had my temper tantrum and I was all done with it, you know, denying what he was trying to show me, Mm-hmm. He he showed me that he wanted to heal me mm-hmm. of the guilt and the shame and the feelings of failure and, and all the negative things that had gone on that I was wrestling with in my soul. Jesus was like, look, I'm going to heal that stuff. If you let me work with you, just stop running away from me. Yeah,
1: that's so, right. <laughs> and, and the very story you're telling is you're, you, what you did by doing that is you took us through the progression of this whole thing. God wanted to get you past that. And so everybody that's struggling with some area of weakness, they, they got this idea that they have to prove themselves to the Lord. And God's not wanting that from you. He's wanting you to get you past it. And so you're wanting to welcome this process. And I don't know what it is. I, I think it's just the the way that man, since he fell, the way he responds to things, but we do everything we can not to enter into this process with the Lord. We, we try to, well, I'm just going to study the Bible more or give more money or something like that. So like somehow that deals with this, but it doesn't. You have to be under the counsel and the wisdom of the Lord. He's going to heal. If he shows it to you, he's planning on healing you past it. But we we've, we've, not done a good job creating a community for people to encounter this. Uh, we, we, we talk about the fact that, uh, you know, God's disappointed with you. Well, that's not, it doesn't take a lot of theology to know that we don't live up to the standard God wants, but how does he move in regard to our brokenness? Well, he is a shepherd. He loves his sheep. He wants them restored. The Lord restores our soul. And so any area that we have, to be delivered, that's our soul, and He wants to restore it, and so we need to let Him take us through this process. Um, and then we need to. So we talked about letting the light in, and then changing our mind. And I hear people say things like this: "I'm gonna, I'm gonna confess this sin." And what they say is, "And I'm gonna tell God, I'll never do it again." And then inevitably, if they do it again, then they're like, "Now what am I gonna do?" The, the whole idea of repenting is telling the Lord it's acknowledging that is that deliver me I agree with you get me to the point of where that doesn't have control over me and so we're either seeing an instantaneous thing happen or we're seeing a process that God is taking people through and so if God takes you through a process of repenting it means if I could say it the best way it's like putting a brick on the wall you're building foundations back in. you need so that this thing won't keep penetrating you and taking you out. Most people don't like that process. I I would be the first one to say, I'd rather the Holy Spirit just overshadow me, do the work, and I can go on with life. But sometimes he does that. Sometimes he builds a wall. It's intentional because of your destiny and where God's taking you. And so uh, don't get discouraged with that. Recognize if he's going to do it instantly. I'm grateful for that. If he's building on my wall, all of this is based on the fact that God has created me to have a certain impact in my life. And so he's working with me in grace to reach that impact. So if I have to go through a process, it's for that reason.
0: And and by the way, those of you who are listening uh, and and are struggling, thinking that God um, doesn't esteem you very highly, I'll just put it that way. Or if you think that God Uh, has some issues with you or he doesn't like you or whatever, because you haven't been completely healed, set free and delivered. I want you to know that your physical condition, your state of health, your state of mind has no bearing whatsoever on how God views you. Okay. It's, It's not this reality that Well, God likes that person more, so they get instantly healed, and God doesn't like this person as much, so they're gonna go through a a 10-year process. That's right. It it has nothing to do with how God views us. God views you, loves you, as the same way that He loves Jesus. Jesus said that in in the Gospel of John. He said the Father loves you the same way He loves me. That's right. So God sees you as He sees His own Son, but the process of you getting healed, set free, um, it, it's for some people, it's going to take time. And, and don't, don't get into this mindset where you think, you know, God hates me, doesn't like me or, or is disappointed with me because I'm not measuring up. That's right. That's His right. view of you has nothing to do with your performance.
1: That's right. That's right. And that, and that segues us into the next point that I want to start working on. It's kind of interesting. As God is trying to break you free from something, you're going to find out that somehow most of the stuff you and I are dealing with is tied to some relationship that has been damaged. And so God is going to take you through this process of, hey, you need to forgive people. Now, um, when we did this last time, I talked about what is effective prayer and I have to tell people stuff I don't like telling them. Well, now I have to do it again. The Bible just kind of goes over and over with people how important it is to forgive people and to, and to let things go. And the Bible talks about this so consistently that uh, you would almost say, well, it seems like in every area of life we need to learn to forgive people. Well, the reality of it is, is we do. People wound people, and then it starts this trajectory of just different things going on in people's lives, And the only way that you can break free from that power is forgiveness, because forgiveness breaks the connection with that thing. It keeps the enemy from harassing you, all that other stuff. God has required you and I to forgive people. Now, what that's going to do is that's going to start us into a whole series of conversations. Well, that person actually sinned against me. Well, that's right. They actually did. But you. You have been given the choice by being made in the image of God to forgive them. And you have to practice forgiveness, just like you have to lift weights. If you want to build strength inside your soul, you have to practice forgiving constantly. Uh, and
0: and forgiving, forgiving someone does not let them off the hook. That's right. The responsibility of what they did. That's something that a lot of people are kind of hung up with right now is Uh, especially with COVID and the fact that, and and the political drama that's been going on for the last five years, people have been polarized, families have been split, relationships have been broken, marriages have been broken, and a lot of people are having difficulty, uh, entering into the, into forgiving these people that have, that have hurt them because they say, well, I could, you know, you don't understand what they did to me. You don't know how badly they hurt me. And my response is, you're right, I don't, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not you're, you're not saying what you did is OK. You know, I, I, I contact with a lot of people who have been sexually abused as children by aunts and uncles and, and parents forgiving that person who sexually abused you is not a, a saying that what they did is OK. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to have any contact with them. I'm not saying you have to restore the relationship. You have to go and, and let them back into your life. If they're still an abusive person, it doesn't mean you're uh, agreeing that what they did is okay. It's not that you're going to let them back into your life. It's that you're not holding that anger toward them because that anger that you have toward them, that's what the enemy uses to destroy your life. You that's need right. to let go of the anger and and forgive that person.
1: That's right. So simply, simply put, Forgiveness is for your sake, even though you say, well, I'm letting them off the hook. It's for the sake of your own soul. You're doing it. So that here's the big picture again. So why would God want us to forgive all these evil people doing all these evil things? Besides the fact that he says you do the same thing. The the other reason is, is because he's wired mankind to have love flow through them constantly. Anything that restricts that It's going to affect you it's going to affect you emotionally psychologically physically
0: you can't have you can't have the peace of god if you are harboring anger and resentment and hostility toward all these people who hurt you the love of god the peace of god cannot rule in your soul if you have all this junk that you're hanging on to against people
1: yeah that's right that's right and so now when we move on uh when we talk about this you have to forgive all people You're going to find that a lot of addictions, really, the problem isn't that addiction. God usually ties it to something. This happened to you. This is how you've responded to it. Not always, but a lot of times that's what it is. You're trying to get something again that only God can give you, and you're replacing it with something from either people or situations or news or whatever it is that you and I turn towards. Okay, so the next thing we want to do is we want to deal with... um, Breaking free from false religion. Now, uh, Dave, have you covered a lot of this with people, false religion, how the enemy uses that, how it brings no. addictions in people's lives? So um, you have all these different groups that are say they're walking with the Lord, but they're a false religion. And the reason why you want to break free from false religion is demonic spirits are tied to those religions. It tells us in scripture that demons create doctrines, and the purpose of these doctrines of demons is to lead people into something where the enemy can capture them, not only in just their belief system of who God is, but it's, it's illustrated by having demons around it all the time. And so this is a, a, a constant problem through the Old and New Testament false religion. Why you want to break free from it is because as long as you allow that or it's okay with you or you've not renounced it, the enemy uses that as an access point to harass you. So, a lot of people, uh, some area that they're struggling with, they're amazed that once they break free from just saying, oh, I was wrong for me to be part of um, Mormonism or transcendental meditation or any of those things, when you confess that and say i I don't want to have anything to do with that i i I break free from it it separates you in the spirit realm from that and now demons don't have access to just go after you in that arena which is actually a great thing
0: in that arena
1: in that arena yeah in that (laughs) arena right Uh, okay and then um this is going to be fun and a lot of times when Dave and I do this, I, I never ask him, well, what do you think about this? We just start talking about it. So, I, I'm curious what he thinks about this. There, you need to also be delivered from all curses. So, do we need to take some time and talk about what a curse is real quick? Do you think? Yeah, we probably do. Okay. So, there are categories of curses in the Bible. Uh, you have this illustration in the Old Testament where Moses says, okay, I'm going to talk to you about the blessing and the curses. And so he goes on one mountain, and he says, here are all the blessings. So if you listen to the Lord and you obey him, he's going to give you all these blessings. You're going to be blessed when you go in, blessed when you go out, your children, all this other stuff. And then he brings up this category of curses. He says, if you're going to disobey the Lord, this is going to come upon you, and this is going to come upon you, and this is going to come. So that was blessing and curses in that arena. Then you have another category of of curses. It's where people that have lined themselves with the kingdom of darkness, they get empowered with a word from a a demon and they speak it over somebody. And that's not a blessing. That's a curse. And and what that does is that's connected with demonic spirits being connected to it. And then they come over a person and start harassing them in that area. This is why false prophecy is really a curse. Because true prophecy hears from the Spirit of the Lord, we speak and a blessing is released. False prophecy hears a word from a demonic spirit, they speak it and releases a demonic spirit over people. So there's the the category of the blessing and the curse from the Lord, the curses that come from the demonic realm. And then we have used in Scripture, people are cursing all the time just with their mouth, just talking to people. Um, There's this um, passage in the New Testament where Jesus says to people, you're going to be held accountable for every word you say. Now, uh, Dave's probably shaking right now after I said that, because people think, now I have to give an account for, and I talked about my football team losing, and I chewed out the other team, and then I made this statement about this political leader. Well, let's back up and, and see what the Lord was actually saying in that passage. He said, you will give an account for every word. Now, it's interesting, the Greek word there is not Every word that comes out of you, it's a specific category of word. It's called a rhema. So it actually says you're going to be held accountable for rhemas, whether you recognize them or not. So if the enemy gives you a thought and then he says, now you speak that and you speak that, the Lord says, I'm going to hold you accountable for that because ramas have power behind them. They have power to release the kingdom of God and the enemy can use them to actually release the kingdom of darkness. Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. Time out. Wait a minute. Okay. Are you saying that when God speaks to us? gives us a rhema. We have a responsibility to do something with that?
1: <laughs> I am. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so there's something, something to look forward to in the future. And so <laughs> the, the idea here is, is the Bible is trying to explain. So there are these categories of curses. When I used to teach on curses, we found out that a lot of people's, what they would call addictions or uh, problems they were struggling with, were caught in those categories. And so we had to take them through, well, why? how do you think that got into your life? Do you think it was in some response of rebellion to the Lord? Do you think some family member was caught in the occult? Do You think someone spoke something over you? And we would just go through those simple processes, and then we would pray a prayer of breaking free from that. And a lot of people got set free from just that simple process of doing that. And then, um, You have to learn to actually uh, take a stand with the Lord. And then I'm going to move to the next thing. You have to learn to speak to things. So here we are back to speaking to things. Just like we had to learn to speak to um, diseases and those kind of things, we have to speak to uh, things like demonic spirits, and we have to break powers of things that are over us. And so sometimes God will show you that a demonic spirit is causing you to have a problem, um, because we don't have classes on how to do this, everyone's like, well, what's the best way to do this? Well, Jesus just says, well, just address it. I command this thing to stop right now in the name of Jesus, and I command you to leave me alone. I mean, that's a simple way of praying for something. You're you're breaking the power of it, and you're commanding it to leave you alone. Now, what most people get confused at, at this point is they're like, well, I did that, and then two days later, here it came again, and then I yep. spoke to it, and two days later, and so that you've moved from being delivered into warfare so once you've pushed the enemy out he's going to turn around and come and visit you again and you have to begin to address it every time it comes
0: got a testimony uh this is one that i shared on my telegram channel uh it it was a testimony that someone emailed me they had uh, a number of different uh pains and aches and afflictions and (laughs) They were reading the testimonies in my telegram channel and the subject came up about deliverance and i was suggesting to people that if you have a pain in your body you might just consider commanding the the spirit of pain to leave and so this person did and they said well the the pain then moved around my body and it, it and it i chased they said i chased this thing for about an hour commanding it to leave and went from one part of their body to another part of the body and it kept moving around and he said about after an hour of chasing this stupid thing around it finally left and then it came back and he goes i wasn't wasn't sure if it was the same one or another one he goes like if it's another one you're gone I'm, you're I'm getting rid of it sometimes um these these you know demons spirits of pain will afflict us it's very simple to get get rid of these spirits sometimes you just command it to leave. This evil spirit, demon, whatever, I command you to go in the name of Jesus. And a lot of times they'll leave. But like Brian said, sometimes they'll come back, right? So you're going for into, oh, this is a battle. This is warfare. You're going to keep trying to afflict me and I have to, you know, do, do my best to fend you off and okay. take a stand.
1: And to encourage you, if you've spoken against it and it's coming around, that should make you think, I'm gaining ground somehow or this wouldn't be coming back around again and so that should encourage you hey right. we're, we're getting somewhere with this thing also uh, i'm gonna stop and i'm gonna just talk about so when you have thoughts that are coming towards you and people are saying it seems so real why is that because when thoughts are coming into your mind it affects your emotions and a lot of people live by their emotions so they actually will believe a lie because it affects their emotions so your emotions are not evil. God is given to you. You're made in the image of God. Emotions are important, but the Bible is saying there's a reason he gave you a mind and emotions. You need to know the truth about something and stop saying, I'm going to evaluate everything by how I feel about something. And so you, you, when we talk about this stuff, of the enemy harassing you you're going to realize well this is a lot of stuff going on in my mind uh, it's information and i feel it and it feels real well you're just feeling your emotional
0: response to some lie there's basically three i guess the way i see it there's three types of information that we tend to process and respond to and one of the the first type that, that a lot of people sort of uh, work in the realm of is there is their emotions um, some people are just kind of driven by led by their emotions yeah. they hear a news report someone talks to them they have an emotional response and they're kind of just led through through their day by their emotions negative and positive you know good news they become very elated super exaggerated um, responses to those things, emotional responses, when bad news comes, they, get, they have a very strong negative response and, and they're sort of led by their emotions. So that's the first uh, realm of, of, um, of the way we respond to things. The second is um, what I would say is intellectually, right? So in the, in the intellectual realm, people um, take information acquire information through reading, through research, through whatever, and they sort of evaluate it log- on, on a, uh, logic and empiricism. Does it make sense? Is it scientifically provable? It, you know, does it follow logically, you know, and they sort of set emotion aside and they just evaluate things very logically. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a second realm. And uh, there's a third realm that a lot of people are not aware of. And I refer to it as spiritual intelligence. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is information that comes to us from the spiritual realm. And like Brian has said, the rhema, the spoken word of the Holy Spirit, an angel appears in your bedroom at night and gives you a message, a demon plants a thought in your head that, you know, you, that you're worthless, that God hates you, right? This is spiritual revelation, spiritual information. And we are continually, um, reacting, interacting, and taking in information in the emotional, in the intellectual, and the spiritual realm all the time. And a lot of people aren't even aware of it.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's why uh, when we started with this stuff on worldview, that's why we talked about that is because how you see the world and this stuff that's going on in your head, you're either going to assume it's all coming from you, or you're going to have a correct view of, well, there's a spirit realm here I'm dealing with also okay so we've kind of gone through all this stuff i'm going to give you some what i'd call a few steps to living in victory uh if that if that you think will be beneficial dave i'm gonna let's go with that real quick yep um this is really important and, and there just be simple things like you need to live in god's word why now i'm going to be very specific when i say live in god's word because when you tell people read the bible everyone's like well i do and i kind of get bored with it well because we study the Bible, we read it kind of like a novel. You need to read where you're at. So that means whatever are the burning questions in your life, you need to be studying the scriptures in those areas because that's where the grace of God is drawing you. And so if I'm trying to get a breakthrough, I want to study what the Bible says about this area of my life, that you're to be more than an overcomer. How does he do it? And you want to spend time in the Word. Why? Well, it's telling us that God's word is alive and active, and it's also settled in heaven, which means it's the highest standard of authority and truth, not people's opinion, not what you see in the news or what people think. This is it's settled forever. That means that's why you can trust God's promises. You can trust him, but you need to be feeding yourself with this. So that's one form of living in the word. The next one is this. The the biggest struggle I see going on in the body of Christ is not healing or deliverance or prophecy, it's identity. The body of Christ does not see themselves the way the Lord does. And so you need to start getting identity scriptures in you, memorized by you, and saturated with you, because that's how God really sees you. That's how you are in this world and, and when you start thinking that way, you become an overcomer by just thinking, this is how God sees me. He sees me as a saint. He sees me as an overcomer. He's there to provide for me. I have an inherent, I mean, just all this powerful stuff. And um, there's five categories of identity, and there are a lot of scriptures in each category, and they're so transformative that a lot like uh, there's a guy named Neil Anderson. I, I don't know um, if you've heard of him, Dave, but he writes the book, The Bondage Breaker. And in The Bondage Breaker, he spends the first four chapters just teaching people their identity in Christ because you can't break bondages if you don't understand that God is determined to set you free and that you're to be an overcomer. And so identity is really important. So if you're going to study stuff in scripture, learn your identity a study on
0: identity. Um, did you want to say something about yep. that? And there's beautiful illustrations in the kingdom parables about identity. If you just want to go to a, a place and learn about the identity of people in, relation, in relationship to God, look at the kingdom parables specifically. Look at how Jesus teaches that different people um, accept different relationships with the Lord. So there's uh, several parables where Jesus talks about the servant and the master, right? So you have a servant, he serves the master, he, he works for the master, the master compensates him. But the servant doesn't have an intimate relationship with his, with his master, his boss. And, and there's a lot of people in, in the body of Christ. And, and I had a, a little conversation with someone on uh, Telegram this morning. Who said that uh, we don't get to partner with God? We don't get to work with God. We are His servants, hmm. and, and He tells us what to do, and we obey, and we're obedient servants. Okay. Well, that's that is a person who has taken on the identity of the servant, and and that's a that is a perfectly legitimate way to communicate to have a relationship with God. But then Jesus calls uh, the disciples, and He says, "You." previously considered yourselves to be my servants i now call you friends mm-hmm. because a servant does not know what his master is doing but i have shown you all things yeah, that's right all right so jesus lets us be friends with god we can be a friend of god he will tell us the secrets you know of his heart and our heart he will show us things we don't have to be a servant then there is the bride Mm -hmm. okay read the parables in the gospels where Jesus talks about the bride because that is another relationship that God is calling us into Um, our relationship with the Lord grows most people when they when they first become believers they see themselves as a servant eventually they start you know having enough uh, history with God they start to see themselves as maybe a friend of God and then years later they develop this intimate, wonderful, loving relationship with God, and they see themselves as the bride. There are many different levels of relationships. I would encourage you to just study those.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's so good. Uh, I I agree with that. And then um, what we want to do is we want to just talk about how important it is to live in praise and worship. So worship is actually interesting. Last time we were talking about, we were talking about the presence of the Lord. and And I saw some people ask me, well, there's nowhere in scripture where it talks about you're supposed to call on the presence of the Lord. And I thought, well, the problem with that is it tells us God inhabits the praises of his people. And so when we say, well, there's nowhere where it talks about God's presence or God manifesting. Well, that's not true. The Bible talks about if you uh, worship the Lord, you're going to have his manifest presence come over you. And when we first started this, I talked about you need the power of God on you to live in the armor of God. Well, how do you attract that? Worship, praise, praying and praying in tongues. If you do those kind of things, Uh, all of them are to reinforce your own soul. So Dave was just talking about a parable. Jesus used a parable that when you drive a demon out, it goes out into arid places. They attract seven other demons and they come back. They can see that the house has been swept and they enter in again. Well, he's using a simple illustration of the culture of the day. If you go, if you have someone in your house and you kick them out and then you clean and repair the house, but you don't fill it with anything, the person's going to come back and take up residency again. So we're wanting to fill, he's talking about your soul. You want your soul filled with something so that there's not an access point. Praise and worship brings the manifest presence of God on you. It saturates you. It satisfies you. It fills your house, basically your soul.
0: Can I, can I jump in and give you guys an illustration of that? Yeah, yeah. So if you go to, I forget what passage it is. It might be Second Chronicles. It talks about the, the priests in the temple. Uh, and it, there's a passage there where, um, <laughs> that it specifically talks about how the praise and worship was going on in the temple and the glory of the Lord manifested in the temple. And the glory was so strong, the priests could not stand minister in the temple if they're not standing they're laying down and and when a lot of people have difficulty with this but just look through um the teachings of ezekiel for example ezekiel and isaiah they saw the glory of the lord they saw the manifest presence of god uh, leaving the temple and coming into the temple when john the baptist uh, baptized jesus he saw the glory of God descending upon Jesus and resting there. Mm-hmm. And here's a passage a lot of people don't think about. King Saul was tormented by a spirit of basically what today would be diagnosed as anxiety. Mm-hmm. Saul was was tormented by a spirit of anxiety and when David came in and he brought in the worshipers and he played the harp and he played worship music, the spirit left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it says that whenever david would play music the spirit would leave saul and then when the music stopped the spirit would come back and afflict saul again
1: that's right right, that's
0: right. so the, the the presence of god the worship of god it actually does have the ability to drive out demons believe it or not
1: oh yeah yeah in fact when i'm taking people through this i'm worshiping in my own soul as i'm doing it at the same time so uh, okay then um, the last one is being led by the Spirit, and then I'm going to add a caveat, being filled with the Spirit. So the Bible actually commands you to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe some other time in the future, Dave and I can take, tell you how that process works, but I, I'm just going to com- uh, commend you. The Bible doesn't just talk about being led by the Spirit. It talks about incremental, constant infillings by the Holy Spirit, and so we need to make that a pursuit also to stay free, clean, and just walking with the Lord. And then the last one is this, the armor of God. And the armor of God is so, there's so much to it. You can, All I can do is just mention it. And then maybe sometime in the future, we can explore that and go over the different uh, battles of it. But the Bible says that God has given you also the armor of God to, to fight, to actually deal with all this stuff. And so there you go. We've, we've done it, Dave. Cool. Yeah. Uh,
0: I'm going to pray because... Uh, We've we've been seeing a lot of people healed who've been watching the videos just through a a simple prayer. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do this again. I'm going to pray again. And if you are watching this, and if you have pain, neck pain, migraines, carpal tunnel, tendinitis, arthritis, if you have pain in your elbow, or knee, hip pain, lower back pain, and 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 or pain in your ankles, any of your joints, basically. Uh, I'm going to pray, and I want you to receive. Okay, this is important. Put away any fear, put away any doubt. I want you to open your heart and let the Lord heal you. Just receive it. That's right. You're a receiver. He's gonna he's gonna heal you, and all you need to do is just receive it. You don't need to do anything. Other than just receive his healing. All right. Holy Spirit, bring your presence upon these people. Bring your presence upon them. Your healing presence. Your presence for deliverance and breaking yokes of bondage. I command ligaments and nerves, tendons, muscles, and bone be healed right now. I release the healing power of God. I command spirits of arthritis to get out. I command migraine headaches to leave, evil spirits of pain, go, new meniscus, new rotator cuff, new joints. If you have screws, plates in your knee, God is going to heal that joint. Pain and inflammation, I command you to get out. I command heart valves to be made brand new. New coronary arteries. If you have a heart attack and you have blockages, God is healing your coronary artery blockage right now. Pulmonary fibrosis. If you have pulmonary fibrosis, the Lord is healing it right now. He's making your lung tissues brand new. I command joints to be made new, lower back pain healed, disc sealed, bone sealed, nerve sealed. If you have spinal stenosis, God is creating a larger opening for the spinal cord to go through. Nerves healed. If you have neuropathy in your feet and hands, I command nerves to come back to life right now. I release the healing power of God. I command dead nerves to come back to life. Just receive the Lord's healing. All right, I'm done. You got anything? Uh, yeah, I'd like to pray something
1: real quick, if that'd be okay. Yep. Holy Spirit, would you bring your, your power now into our souls? And I ask that wholeness would come over our minds and our wills and emotions and our spirit. Just bring wholeness back to us, Lord. Bring prosperity and nurture us with your presence. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dave.
0: Thank you, Brian. Uh, I think we can probably uh, wrap it up here. Okay. Uh, I don't know what we'll cover next, but uh, folks can tune in to the next broadcast and find out what we're going to be covering. If you have prayer requests, uh, you can send them to me through my website, prayingmedic.com forward slash contact. I have a contact page on my website. Um, If you have a prayer request, if you have a question, testimony you want to share, you can contact me. Brian, you want to give them your contact info for the website? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, so just come to my website. It's plumlinem.com, And I also have a YouTube channel. You can go there. Most of the social media, I'm not on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, but I'm on Gab and those kind of things. Just look for me, Brian Fenimore. Uh, I've already had some people reach out to me. Please do that. We do pray for you. We want to honor this. And so we just thank you for this time. And thank you, Dave.
0: Thank you, Brian. That, yeah. is, a, that is a wrap. Thanks again for everyone tuning in. Please keep Brian and I in prayer uh, as to what we're going to do with this going forward. Uh, I'm just blessed as heck to see what the Lord is doing Amen. Uh, through these messages. So thanks again. Keep us in prayer. Sound this place on fire. Ascend
1: your spirit Rescue from my ear. Enjoy your service.